All right. Hey, good morning. Welcome to the Hills West Fort Worth campus. My name is Tuan Moore. I know there's a queue up there. It's silent in case you're wondering. But um, man, so, so glad to be here today. It's Communicators Weekend, as they've said. And um, you are fortunate because you got in here first, which means you can stay all day and hear everybody. Some of y'all are like, I don't think so, Tuan. But some of you are ready for it. Some of you are ready for it, so that's good. Hey, it is, uh, it is great to be with you. Um, want to introduce myself a little bit. You've seen me up here before, but typically in the worship format. But um, uh, I, I have a family. Um, do we have a picture of them up there anywhere? I don't know if that got placed on there. Yes, no? Nope, I think that got forgotten. Okay, that's okay. Uh, I have a family, I promise I do, even though the picture's not up there. I've got uh, three kids. Uh, my oldest, she just graduated high school, is about to hopefully, Lord willing, head off to Pepperdine University to, there you go. Hey, got some waves in the house. Appreciate it. Y'all can applaud that. That's all right. That's a big, a big uh, accomplishment for everyone in the household. I've got a middle daughter, she's going to be a junior, um, very artsy, and my son, who is going to seventh grade, he is the life of the party all the time, and then there's my wife, Leanna, and um, so we've been at the Hills about six years or so, and it is, um, it is great to be with you. I can tell some of you are probably still going, I, I know I've seen that guy before, and I heard his name, it sounds familiar. I know I don't look like I normally do. I mean, normally, I don't look like I normally do. So just to give you a little better perspective, see, now you're like, oh, I remember that guy now. So that, here you go. So that's, that's right. So I'm typically up here with a guitar. But perspective sometimes is where we find ourselves. You know, like when you got the grocery store and maybe some of our students in the house, and like the principal or your teacher shows up, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, they like live at school, right? They're not supposed to, you know, there's just this offsetting thing because it's not the context or the perspective that we're used to seeing them. Perspective matters so much in how we view things. Matter of fact, I wanted to take a look at a few pictures that I think will help us drive home the point of perspective. If we can put that first picture up, if you don't mind. Now look at that, nice little tabby cat there. Looks like trying out for the Gordon Ramsay show with the um, thing there, okay? Also, um, we'll go to the next one. Now this will throw you for a little bit because this youngster looks like soon as vacation's over, he's about to get a briefcase and go to school, I mean go to, go to work. But it's actually the young guy, he's got his face turned, his sunglasses on, then dad's nose and chin so he's not as old as he appears. Let's look at the next one, if you don't mind. All right, so you got a young person there who is uh, like enjoying the, the lake, just there hanging out, until if you turn your head like so, actually, matter of fact, don't turn your head, let's just tilt it for him. Let's see the next one, if you don't mind. Ah, you find that he is not like a lake at all, but he's on an uprooted tree, Lying on his back. I was like, oh, yes. Perspective. Perspective matters because when we have a perspective that is that may be kind of off or not quite um, as it should be, we will end up seeing things that as we think they are, but not as they actually are. Today we're going to be in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. 
Okay, if you've got a Bible or whatever, you'll want to turn there. We won't go through every last one of those scriptures, but I want you to know where it is because I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the context and everything, but, you know, later on, if you want to go and read the whole thing later, that would be awesome, okay? But in Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50, where we find ourselves is that there's a Pharisee named Simon, and he has invited Jesus to dinner. So we got some props up here. I know this is not typically here, but this is to help you feel like you're in Simon's household. And we have found some very um, archival pictures of them. And so um, just want to make sure that I make sure you guys can see as well. That's Simon right there. He's a Pharisee. Okay. And this is his house. And, um, and he has invited Jesus. Looks just like him, I promise. Jesus to dinner. Now, the thing you need to know about, you need to know about Simon here is when he say he's a Pharisee, that means that he is probably at the top of his game in, in his community. He is uh, a guy who takes, he upholds the law, he teaches the law, sometimes even enforces the law because their whole lives center around the law, okay, the law of Moses. And so he has made himself, uh, he, has, he has gotten himself up there in his community. And he invites Jesus to dinner, which is a pretty big deal because often there are several people that Jews would not even associate, not talk to, let alone invite into their home. But he invites Jesus. Now, I'm not, I'm not sure all the reasons why. Um, because if you look in the Gospels, you can see that the Pharisees and Jesus don't always have this good relationship together. But Simon, for some reason, says, I'm going to invite Jesus over. And here's my gut. The scripture doesn't say this, but this is what I think is going on here. I think Simon is curious. I mean, he's heard about this Jesus dude, and he has, he has healed people, and he has done all these things, and he teaches, and the people are hanging on his every word. He is a man of power, but he does stuff different. And so I think he's trying to figure out what is going on with this Jesus. And so he invites him over. Now, I have my little prop here, table. Thank you, um, uh, everybody, for helping me here for that with this. And if Jesus was at this table and he was going to eat, and let's say Simon was over there, he would come down and he would do like this. Now, we don't typically eat like this, but that is exactly what Simon would do. And that's what Jesus would do, because this is how their tables were set up. And they would lay down, and they would eat with their right hand, and their legs would be out here, and so forth. And so, here's Jesus, and here's Simon. They're talking, I don't know, talking about the Torah, Bible stuff, maybe talking about the latest news in Jerusalem, or I don't know, the, la the latest Roman game that occurred. Who knows? They're talking, right? And while they're talking, what happens, uh -oh, what happens is, their talk is interrupted by a lady. In case you can't see, here you go. By a woman. We don't know her name. And this name right here is kind of kind. Because in the scripture says, a sinful woman entered. That is her name. We don't know her by any other name. There are other times where... 
um, people come to Jesus and so forth in, in, a, in a dinner setting and come near his feet. But this woman, all we know is that she's got a reputation. She's got this list of things that people know about her that bring a lot of shame. And she comes into this dinner and just causes a scene, y'all. I don't, I don't mean like she snuck in the back and went, ooh, what's going on? I mean, she causes a scene. She comes in. And remember, Jesus' feet is right here, and she is weeping. I don't mean like the, like the one little teardrop of, oh, sad at the end of a movie. I mean, she is weeping, enough that the tears are falling on, on Jesus' feet. And she is wiping his feet with her hair, cleaning them off. She is kissing his feet, and then she takes out perfume, expensive perfume, breaks it open, the whole place is smelling like the perfume. And she's doing all this at the dinner. Now, <laughs> to you, this is a scene. And you're like, oh, man, that's weird. But to Simon, but to Simon, this is wrong. To Simon, this is probably even ungodly. And so Simon sees her. And we're going to look at a passage here in Luke chapter 7, verse 39. And it says, when the Pharisee, talking about Simon, had invited, who had invited him, Jesus, saw this, okay? When he saw what she was doing, he said to himself, oh, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. All right. Simon's perspective is being revealed. He's trying to figure out who this Jesus is, right? I'm sorry. Pillows in front of Jesus. There we go. We got trying to decide who Jesus is. And he doesn't know for sure because he's heard all these things, but this is about to set the record straight for Simon. Because as a good Jewish man, he would not be caught dead next to a sinful person, let alone sinful woman. And the fact that she comes in, she causes this scene. She does tears on his feet, touches him with her hair, lets her hair down, wipes his feet off. This is scandalous. I'm telling you, if my wife and I go to a dinner party and a lady comes in the room, we don't know anything about her but she looked like she might have a little reputation, okay? And she comes in, does anything to me, but let alone goes down and starts weeping and kissing my feet. My wife's going to at least have a look on her like, Twan, what in the world is going on? And so this is a scandalous situation here. And his perspective is being revealed. Jesus recognizes the scenario here and also understands what the Pharisee Simon is thinking. And so, Jesus, knowing what he's thinking, maybe heard him under his voice, decided to tell him a story. And Jesus is the master of this. If there's ever a point he wants to say, often it comes in a story. So he says, Simon, I want to tell you a story, man. 
Okay, I've got something for you. There's two guys. They both owe money. One owes 500 denarii, which is about like uh, close to around three years wages of money. Okay? And the other owes 50, which is a few months. Neither can pay the debt. Okay, that's the scenario. One large sum, one smaller sum. Neither can pay the debt. Then he asks Simon and he says, Simon, who's going to love the person who forgave the debt the most? Person with the 500 in their eye uh, in debt or person 50? And he says this. Well, Simon says, well, I assume the one who owed the greater debt. And Jesus says, you've spoken correctly. And then Jesus begins to turn, try to turn his perspective with this passage right here in Luke chapter 7 and verse 44 through 47. Here's what it says. Then he, talking about Jesus, turned towards the woman. He turns towards the woman, and he says, Simon, do you see this woman? I came to your house, and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Jesus says, I want you to see something about her. I don't know if you noticed before, but Simon saw when the woman came in, he saw what she was doing and how she had touched Jesus. But Jesus started off saying, Simon, do you see this woman? Not what she's doing, not where she's been, not what people think about her, but do you see her? And he begins to explain to her what Jesus sees. Because remember, Simon has invited him into the home for dinner. And there are things that traditional Jewish custom would be provided. A bowl of water for him to wash his feet because the feet get dirty on the long walks that they had to take. Um, would have greeted them with a welcoming kiss. Okay? For those of us who are like, well, kissing, that's weird, okay? The idea is if you've been to any, like, Latin country or so forth, kiss on the side like this is a holy welcome that says, you are, in, you are welcome in this home. I receive you. He didn't do that. Or he didn't pour oil on his head, which was a tradition as well. So like I said, I think Simon's in between trying to figure this Jesus out, and he doesn't know what, how to really do with him. So he invites him, and he says, well, that's, that's the extent of what I'm going to give. But this woman, who her sins are many, and knows that they are, she knows what she needs to be forgiven of. Simon obviously does not. See, everybody at this dinner has a perspective. Everybody is seeing each other and this scenario from a perspective, and their perspective matters so much. 
Here's where Simon finds himself. He finds himself with the perspective of what he's been taught. He's been taught, as a good Jewish person, you keep all the law. And when you keep all the law and you do it well, you are a righteous person. Be good like the law says to do. And nobody in his community would have ever thought, oh, why are you being so rigid? They're going, no, he is being a good Jew. And that's his perspective. He's trying to live that way. Jesus does things differently, so he is struggling because of what he knows, what he's been taught. Jesus doesn't fit it, and he's trying to reconcile it. He has a perspective of the woman, which is based on the acts that he knows that she's done. And so there's this scale of how you interact, and he sees that. But the woman has a perspective, too, because she comes into this meal she comes into a hostile environment because she knows what her reputation is. She knows this is Simon's household, who is a Pharisee, and if he chose to, he could make life extremely difficult for her, maybe even end her life. But she's heard about this guy, about this Jesus dude, and she's heard about some of the things that he's done and she knows, I need what he is offering. So her perspective is, even if she doesn't know all of who, she, who he is, she knows, I need to get there. And that is her perspective. But Jesus has perspective as well. Because he's here too. And he sees all of what's going on here. And he has things that he wants to offer. He has things that he wants to offer to Simon. Before we get hard on Simon, before he, we throw him under the bus, remember Simon's doing what he's taught. he was taught. So Jesus tells him a story to kind of help try to shift his perspective. But then there's the woman, and he knows the weight of her sin and what is on her. And he holds her up and lets her know what he has for her. Though her sins are many, her faith has brought salvation. Her faith has brought forgiveness. Now you might be saying, all right, Juan, cool story. Thanks for that. That's awesome. Like the little, you know, figurines. Like the, man, you, you showed us exactly how things were, you know, how they were. That's nice. But what does this have to do with me? I mean, I've never had anyone come weeping and kissing at my feet, Juan. What do you mean? And here's some things that I think that this story has to say to us. There is plenty that this story has to say to us, okay? I will not cover them all. It's another reason why I say go back and read it because I think God will do something in your heart when you read the story. But there's a few things that I think that this, this story offers. 
You see, it causes us, if we choose, to consider our own perspective. How do we see things? How are we moving in this life? Simon, if we remember, Simon saw things by human measures. But as I look around, most of the world today, probably even most of us, tend to view people by human measures very often. Right? But it's what we've been taught. You know, bad company corrupts, right? Many of you know what I was about to say there. And so we've got these things in our perspective, in, our, in what we know, in what we taught, that sometimes need to be shifted. As a matter of fact, this is what I think I want to tell you. Sometimes what we already know can affect how we see. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes what we already know affects how we see. Simon knew how things were supposed to be. He was a teacher of the law. It was his job to know. It was his job to know how people were supposed to interact with each other, how Prophets and sinners weren't supposed to mix, so the prophet, the good one, would not be defiled. He knew that this woman was sinful. And what that means, according to the law, probably at any point, depending on if she had been caught or found, she could have been stoned to death for what she had. And we go, oh my goodness. But that was what he knew. I want to share you a story about a time that I, I knew some things. Um, my wife and I, back in the uh, early 90s when we were dating, or we met, um, it was an interesting time for us. Um, my wife is not black. She's a different race than I am. And so as we were dating, we had issue. Well, her, her parents had issue with us. And so we were struggling through that and trying to honor them and trying to figure out how we're supposed to do that and, and, and working through this, right? But I want to tell you there was a point where I stopped just not liking what they were doing. And I'm sad to say, but I think, and I want to say it's probably about a week span of time because things changed in me that I felt like I hated them. I don't even like saying that word. But if I'm being honest with you, I think that's where I was. And there were things that I knew. I knew what they were doing and how I was being treated was wrong. I knew that I could go to the scripture and I could prove it. I knew that I had people on my side who believed exactly as I did. And if I chose really, I could probably be pretty justified 
and how I was feeling and what I was thinking. But the Spirit of God wouldn't let me stay there. So I found myself, it was probably a week or so, and I found myself struggling, trying to figure out, God, what do I do with this? And so I lifted it up to him. And this is what God shared with me. He said, Twan, and it wasn't an audible voice, but I'm just telling you, this is what he said. Twan, you're so upset. And you turned your heart against them because their sin happens to hurt you. And because it's hurting you so badly, you're turning your heart away from them. But listen, Tuan. The same blood that covers your sin, the things that you've done wrong that you wouldn't tell a soul, but you and I know, that same blood that covers you, Tuan, it covers them. So I know you feel like they're in a different spot than you. But y'all are all riding in the same sin boat in need of salvation and forgiveness. And it was in that moment that God changed my perspective. And made me go, ah, oh, I see. What I have known needed to be shifted to what God knows. Because when I was able to see what God was trying to tell me, then I was able to see the scene of my now in-laws, by the way, and myself. And what I thought was apart was actually together. Do you follow me, church? Sometimes what we already know can affect how we see. But there's more to gain from this. Here's the second thing. When we really see Jesus, then we see that he is worth everything that we hold valuable I want to take us back to this woman here. Remember the story. She enters into the Pharisee's home at risk of herself because she sees this guy, Jesus, as somebody who is worth the risk. He is worth the risk of possibly her very life, and she sees that. And so she goes, I am going to enter this home uninvited, and I'm going to show him my gratitude. So she comes with humility because she's Jesus as worthy, worthy of risking her life, worthy of her humility, her tears, her kisses on his feet, and brings probably the most valuable thing that she owns this perfume, and pours it out on his feet. See, our perspective says, he is worthy of the things that I hold most valuable. 
And I have to ask the question of myself, Twan, how much do you risk to abide with Jesus this week? Twan, when was the last time you wept at his feet because you knew what he brought and I knew what I brought to the table and how much I needed it? Twan, when was the last time you brought that thing that was most valuable to you and laid it at Jesus' feet and offered it up to him? That's a perspective shift because when we see this man clearly, it changes everything. Everything about how we move all begins to just start to be different because he's different, and the way he lives, and the way he loves, and what he does is different. And so when I begin to see him, and my perspective shifts, and I can see exactly what he wants me to see in him, there's nothing that keeps me away. One last thing. That I think this passage can offer us a perspective shift, is that Jesus always sees us clearly and offers what we need. You see, Simon was seeing the woman, the woman was seeing herself, and all that she was, uh, all that she brought, but Jesus sees too. And here's what he sees. He sees Simon. We might go, oh, he sees Simon, a Pharisee. But no. He sees Simon, a man who wants to follow the Lord, who needs a perspective shift. See, Jesus loves Simon. Sometimes we forget Jesus loves Pharisees because they have such a rift with each other. But he does. Jesus doesn't really blast him. He shares with him a story. He tries to correct his perspective. Maybe you're like Simon. There are things that you know. I want to tell you, Jesus sees you. And he loves you. Maybe you've been in church all your life. Maybe some of the things that you've heard me say this morning are stirring in you, and you're going, oh, what do I do with this? Jesus has an answer for that. He wants to shift your perspective. And Jesus sees this woman. Just like he asked Simon, do you see this woman? Probably from before she walked in the door, he saw her. He saw her. And he knows, and in the scriptures you read it, her sins are many. Jesus doesn't shy away from that at all. But he sees her, he sees her faith, and he offers exactly what she needs. Forgiveness, salvation, the hope of life to the full, that is what he offers. Maybe that's you in the room today. 
I know we all look like we got it together. We're a good looking bunch of folk. But man, if any of you are like me, you know you've got some stuff. But you're like, oh, if everybody saw this, then what? I'm telling you, Jesus sees and he loves you and he offers forgiveness, salvation, and the hope of life to the full. Y'all stand up with me. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And it's going to be an invitation to you. Okay? Consider it like an invitation from a dear friend that you get in the mail or an evite, because we have those these days. And it says, I want to invite you to my dinner party. And at my dinner party, what we will be having is a new perspective provided by Jesus. That's what Jesus is offering to every one of us. Ministers, band, people in chairs, people back there, AV team, everyone. He is offering new perspective, new hope. That is what he brings. So if you're like, man, I want that. I want to respond to that. I want to tell you. As I'm done praying, or even as I'm praying again right now, if you're like, I can't wait, okay? You can go to that, see where the exit sign is right over there. That's not actually an exit, that's a prayer room. <laughs> and you can go in there, and there are people longing to pray with you, longing to share with you what Jesus brings, longing to share with you how God has shifted their perspective, and hopefully you can see it too. Maybe your perspective is, man, I, I, I don't know about all this, but I want to follow that guy. We let you know that, hey, if you want to be baptized and give your life to the Lord, we have people who will talk to you about that as well. God sees you. Jesus sees you. And he has something to offer. Let's pray. God and Father, you are so good, so good. And you're always giving us what we need. You see us exactly how we're supposed to be seen. So, Father, this is my prayer. My prayer is for those of us here who feel like Simon. But we've known one thing for a very long time. And are trying to figure it out. God, speak to our hearts. Help us to see more clearly. For those of us in the room, like the sinful woman, God, help us to know your love is real and true and for us. And help us, like that woman, to come to you and not let anything hinder. God, thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.